Where do you value Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott heading into 2021 fantasy football and more importantly, heading into dynasty? Are you moving some running backs ahead of either or both that you may have never even contemplated uh, a year ago? I'm going to talk about where I feel the sweet spot for both players might be hiding in 2021 drafts, redraft and dynasty. And I've got an early line on where their ADP is probably going to be sitting in January because I've done a lot of community mock drafting. So I feel like I have a good grip on where their ADP values will be right out of the gate in, in 2021, right when the ball drops on January 1. In addition to the running back topics, I want to talk about my top five wide receivers that have value given their ADP. You could call a couple of them league winners at the value you might find them at, but for the most part, we'll call them top five value grabs. That doesn't mean I don't love a lot of wide receivers more than these top five. And I posted this graphic on Instagram already, and a lot of people were like, what about DK Metcalf? What about Adams? As if this was a ranking of my top five. It's not that. This is my top five value grabs. The guys I believe will be very overlooked heading into 2021 drafts, and because they're overlooked, you're getting way more bang for the buck than you should be getting. They have a lot of, of, of ceiling value given their ADP. All of that and more of the Fantasy Football Show begins now. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. Top five running back. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. So I went live on Instagram yesterday um, at the Fantasy Football Show. Follow me if if you aren't already. And we did a little like mock draft uh, exercise. We kind of just, you know, came together and tried to figure out who we have ranked where heading into 2021. And the consensus really was CMC, uh, Camara, Cook, Adams, Henry, and, and then it started getting into the, the area where we're like, okay, Zeke, Hill, Jacobs, um, Barkley wasn't really even mentioned in this range right here. Now, what's weird about that is that when I asked everybody, hey, where do you rank Barkley? Like if you're drafting today, give me a, a draft slot, an exact draft slot where you wanna rank Barkley. So taking a poll of over, I believe it was 15 people um, with each question, the average person said they would take Zeke at uh, 7.0 was what the calculation came out to be. And Barkley was 6.0. Now, the, the numbers given were all over the map. There was, you know, some tens. Uh, there was, you know, a three, a five. But the average was, was six and seven for each of these guys. I venture to say that Zeke could fall even further if, if he doesn't play well from here on out and I think given the state of that Cowboys offense I think it's a very good shot that Zeke goes from seven to like seven to nine overall heading into early I'm talking early January February March uh, mock drafts which we do here at the fantasy football show yes we mock draft that early and it's going to be time to take advantage of this because this protects you into any risk that Zeke doesn't bounce back and become the same guy he once was. He's definitely going to do better with a quarterback and, and, a, and a fixed, patched-up offense in 2021. So he's definitely going to be a better player than he is right now, by far. He's going to be a top-10 running back as long as he's on the field. And when he's on the field, 
but could he return to top five running back stats and status? Yeah, I, I really believe Zeke can be back at that level for two or three more years. A player situation is sometimes more than half the battle. And with Zeke, you can't expect him to be even close to the same old Elliott when he can't find room to run. Zeke needs a clean slate heading into 2021. Now, is there some risk? Of course. That's why you're not taking Zeke ahead of Henry who's going to finish on a terror. Or Adams, who some will argue is top three. I bet you you're going to get a lot of people that put Adams at, at three overall heading into early mock drafts. I'm not saying I condone that. And, and I'm not saying I don't. Um, but I think McCaffrey and Kamara and Cook are going to be kind of your standard top three. So this was not my mock before you start commenting and saying, Smitty, I can't believe your mock is garbage. This was our community mock on Instagram. It's a community ADP, essentially. And so it's it's CMC, Kamara, Cook, Adams, Henry, Zeke, Hill, and Rob were being tossed around at the same time, so they kind of tied for that seventh spot. But as you notice, Barkley isn't in the top seven here, which is interesting because when asking everybody in the same group, the same... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, chatters that were in there, it was 6.0 was the average draft slot for Barkley, yet he wasn't listed in the top eight overall. That's why I say I wouldn't be surprised if both of these numbers are too high. When you ask someone where you're going to draft them on the spot, they might give you an answer that they're they're afraid that people are going to be like, oh my God, you're taking them way too late. So they give you a higher number than maybe they would when on the clock. So I think that the real telling thing is when we did the mock draft, no one drafted Barkley in the top eight. But Zeke did go at six. He went one spot higher than this. But my point here is this. There are two running backs in the first round that could be complete steals. And it's these two running backs. Now, not every draft will let them fall to a point where you can win a league by drafting Elliott at number 10, number nine, number eight. But in a lot of leagues, early leagues, best ball leagues, you can take advantage of this in best ball. Draft both of them at that late first round value range and you're going to get a guy that has arguably top three overall potential. If Elliott, in fact, is a top three overall player and you get him at number 10, that's equivalent to getting like a a late second rounder in the fourth round. You're talking about a big difference in talent getting that top three or four overall player at a spot where you have almost back-to-back bookend picks and you can you could pair a wide receiver like Mike Thomas to Elliott. Clearly, a lot of the ranking with Barkley has to do with his rehab, how quickly he's moving along the ACL recovery, but Barkley has some of the strongest thighs in the league. I've explained this before, but the ACL is basically in the middle of the, the knee joint, holding that knee together very, very tightly. And when you snap that ACL, your knee is basically uh, looser and you have a lot of micro movements that grind down that cartilage over time. That's why with people that don't have ACLs like John Elway, they could barely walk at a certain point in their life 
early on uh, and they need total knee replacements because they've grinded down all that cartilage, even bending over to get the newspaper. Every little movement is just grinding that cartilage away. You have your LCL and your MCL on the outsides. Those ligaments hold the knee and without an ACL, you're just slowly sliding around using those ligaments to keep the, the knee stable. When you're someone like Barkley and you have the thigh strength, the, the quads and muscles wrapped around your entire knee, he essentially, I'm not saying you don't need an ACL or he should move on with life without an ACL, but that ACL keeping his knee tight was essentially not even competing with the thigh muscles, the quad muscles and the, and the muscles surrounding the knee. That was keeping the knee tighter than the ACL. Um, same thing with Garrison Hurst, I've told this story before, but Garrison Hurst, for those that don't know, was a, a really high prospect, running back prospect coming out of college uh, many, many, many years ago. And he actually tore his ACL in high school and they didn't know it. He didn't know it. No one knew it. But they did the combine checks. They found out his ACL wasn't there. And, and back then when, when Garrison Hurst was entering the NFL, if you didn't have an ACL, people were freaking out. So his quad strength, I talked to a doctor who was there when Garrison Hurst got his, his knee surgery. They said his quads were so strong, he literally did not need an ACL. They were going in for nothing. They were going in. They were they were creating atrophy and rehab and 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 you know all this these problems for a guy that did not need an ACL. His quad and mu surrounding muscles on his knee were so tight that an ACL wouldn't even be working because the thing was so tight from all those surrounding muscles. My point being here is when you have a player as strong in the lower body, especially around the knees and the thighs as Saquon Barkley, you have a higher likelihood of a great recovery, assuming there aren't, you know, meniscus problems and, and interior knee issues that, that would take out anybody's knee because just one, you know, tear of, the, of that cartilage or some kind of other issue and, you know, you can't bend the knee. It has nothing to do with the thigh strength. But in terms of recovery, in terms of his leg, his brain talking to his knee and the guy being able to make the cuts he needs to make and having the confidence when you tear your ACL and I've torn my ACL, my MCL, my LCL, my meniscus, I tore my patellar tendon off my kneecap. I know a little bit about knee injuries and when you tear your ACL, one of the biggest obstacles you have is the, the speed. Your brain talking to your knee and saying cut and trusting your knee when you cut being able to to go back to your old ways of of trusting yourself and making those cuts and not feeling that you're on the top of a ladder with the ladder about to to, to fold out from under you because you don't have that strength and the feeling of tightness and support in that knee i pretty much know unless there's some underlying you know issues in the joint that barkley is going to have one of the tightest knees coming out of acl surgery that you can find. And he's so determined, so strong, so talented. This could be one of those Adrian Peterson type recoveries where you don't even know that the guy tore his ACL the year prior. If anybody in the NFL has the ability to pull off what AP did the year after he tore his ACL, it is Saquon Barkley. And I think that everybody right now is thinking about, oh, he tore his ACL, he tore his ACL, he tore his ACL. That makes everybody want to drop him in value, stay away. Oh my God, he's not the same guy, he's tainted. But once it starts becoming not he tore his ACL, he recovered from a torn ACL, 
people start realizing that it's real. He's already passed all that. It's in the rear view. He's going to start rising up in the ADP ranks. So for right now, you have a small window of opportunity to go buy this guy. And I'm telling you, if there is a, a player to bet on that will rebound as quickly as AP did, it is this man, Saquon Barkley. And heading into 2021, I think in 2021, Barkley could be a top one to three running back if all goes well with the interior part of his knee. As for Elliott, the concerns aren't physical. So for me, it's all about, do I trust that the Cowboys will have Dak or that quarterback situation worked out heading into 2021? I firmly believe that they will. I believe Dak will be back. We will see what happens with him and his contract and his injury and his rehab. But I believe that, that Elliott will be reborn again for at least a two maybe three, but a two to three year window. Assuming Pollard is in Dallas in 2021 and everything's the same in terms of the running attack, I think if you cuff Elliott to Pollard and you're spending something around an eight to 10 overall pick on Elliott, you are going to have a team that is really, really hard to contend with if Elliott bounces back and is anything close to his old self. And if he's a little bit lesser version of the Elliott we've come to know and love, and trust as a top one to three running back, well, guess what? You're going to be okay. You're paying almost high-end running back two value at that point. Go attack in Dynasty before it's too late on both of these guys, especially Barkley. My top five wide receivers that are value grabs. And again, I have to preface that this is not my ranking, so don't in the comments be like, where's Adams, Smitty? can't believe you don't rank DK in this group. These are guys that I believe are going to be undervalued. Even if Ridley is climbing up people's board right now, people are getting excited about Ridley again. Didn't score a touchdown last week. People are very weird about that. He's not blowing up to the degree I think he could blow up. He was a top one to five, not top five, top one to five wide receiver earlier in the year. And now everybody loves him again, yet true but not to the degree they loved him before. They're still thinking Julio might walk into 2021 as the number one wide receiver. That little bit of doubt can oftentimes move a guy from one to five to like six to 10. I wouldn't get comfortable with an ADP anywhere outside the top seven wide receivers, but when you think about Adams, Hill, Hopkins, DK, Mike Thomas, Julio Diggs, Keenan Allen, some might say Justin Jefferson, you might find Ridley at seven to 10 in some formats, in some fantasy circles. And I'm telling you right now, that could be a value grab. I don't wanna hear in the comments that Ridley's already broken out. How are you gonna get a value grab out of him? I just explained it. These wide receivers right here could go ahead of Ridley in any draft. That puts Ridley in a position to maybe climb six to eight spots from draft day in terms of wide receivers. That's win a league material. In fact, if that's not win a league material, I don't know what is. Mike Thomas could be the number four or five overall player, and I think you could get him in the late first, maybe early second round. We'll see how he finishes from week 14 on. That will clearly determine if he's going to rebound into top five to seven overall value. Heading into 2021 fantasy football, um, for anybody that thinks MT can't be undervalued, watch what happens if he has two bad games out of the next three. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a top five wide receiver. I don't know for certain if it will be in 2021. A lot depends on Dak. A lot depends on that, that, that Cowboys offense. But I think CeeDee Lamb 
is going to be a top five wide receiver. And while his value is really high in Dynasty, I think no one feels that he's locked into the top one to five. People think he could flirt with that that type of value. I still firmly believe in Dynasty. On average, he's a lot cheaper than he should be. Now, I know Galladay screwed over a lot of people in 2020. I'm, I'm one of them. But given he's going to fall into, I don't know, the third, fourth, fifth round, the value, the, the risk will be baked into the value. So before you go, I'm not trusting Galladay this year, Smitty. He burned me. That's the same thing I heard out of Dalvin Cook heading into 2019. I don't trust him, Smitty. Well, you don't have to trust him at his old value. You're going to trust him at his newfound value, which in the case of Galladay is probably, like I said, fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth round. You didn't have to trust Dalvin Cook in 2019 in, in September and August at number four or five overall value where I predicted him to finish. All you had to do was draft him in the second round and realize the risk is baked into that value. The same thing's going on right here with Galladay. Stop holding on to he's a risk when you're not drafting that 3.01 anymore. And scary Terry McLaurin, while everybody's going to say, oh, we see him coming, how can he be on a value grab list? I'm going to tell you right now, I posted this on Instagram, and while there's four or five people out of ten that are going to love it, I literally get four or five DMs where people say he's going to bust Mitty. Washington's not good for him. He won't make it. I know for a fact that the doubt is surrounding this guy almost equally as the love is heading into 2021. I can feel it. I take the temperature of this better than I think anybody because I have sleeperu.com, Ask Smitty, where you guys throw questions at me constantly. And then I've got heysmitty.com where I get phone calls where I get dilemmas like this all the time. And people say, hey, should I trade McLaurin? I don't know that I believe in him. I, I hear enough doubt from people constantly that I know there's value in McLaurin heading into 2021. Take advantage of it. I've got exciting news for you. I'm launching a fantasy football newswire, one that will compete with ESPN and Roto World as your favorite news source because of the fantasy takes and all that I have going into this newswire. You're going to love it. I'm so excited to bring it to you, and I hope to be beta testing it with all of you by mid-December or by December 20th at the latest. So get ready, buckle up. That's right. For Christmas, you're getting your new favorite fantasy football newswire from your man, Smitty, from me to you as a Christmas gift. So get ready for a taste of what is to come via that newswire for 2021. Subscribe, follow, tell your friends. Get some. I'll talk to you later. This is the Fantasy Football Show. With your host, Smitty. Top five running back. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. Smitty.